isn't it? <laughs> Don't want to spoil it by saying anything. Hmm. Mm. How nice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and how nice. How nice was Chris's testimony. Chris, you've just wrecked us for the whole day. <laughs> He's so good, isn't he? God is so good. He's so good. And all for his glory. Yeah, all for his glory. I just want to read a passage out of 2 Corinthians uh, 1, um, starting at verse 15. And it's uh, Paul, and he's talking about what he's doing at this time. And he says, With this confidence, I'm wanting to visit you and after my trip to Macedonia so that you enjoy a second experience of grace. Afterward, I'm hoping that you'll come and aid me on my journey to Israel. When I revised my itinerary, was I vacillating, you know, going here or there, up and down, roundabout? No. Or do I make my plans with unprincipled motives, ready to flip-flop with a yes and a no in the same breath? Of course not. Don't you love the Passion Translation? Of course not. For as God is true to his word, my promise to you was not a fickle yes when I meant no. Isn't that annoying when people say yes and they mean no? Or they know no and they mean yes. You know, and you, can't, you don't know which way they're going or not. But he says, but God is true to his word. And just as he's true to his word, my promise to you was not a fickle yes when I meant no. Jesus Christ is the son of God and he is the one whom Timothy, Silas and I have preached to you. And he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes. For, and this is the bit you will have heard before, for all his promises find their yes of fulfilment in him. And as his yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring him glory. Yes. All his promises, you may have heard it, all his promises are yes and amen. And, you know, that doesn't rely on us, does it? It's nothing to do with us, as Chris said. Nothing to do with us. It's all about God. His promises are yes and amen. So I thought, well, what are the promises that God has given us around offering? Well, one of my favourite passages is in uh, Malachi. So, a pity I have to change out of the Passion into another version. But it says um, in verse 10 of chapter 3 in Malachi, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Is that a promise of God? It is. And would it be one of those yes and amen promises? I think it would be. It's not a maybe, a no, or a, you know, I don't know, whatever day it is. It's actually a promise to us. He said, if you bring the tithes into the storehouse, there will be food in my house, but, and prove me, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. But not only that, he promises that I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. And all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land. That's a yes promise. It's not a maybe promise. It's a yes promise. So that's what he says. Is God going to change his mind? No, he's not going to change his mind. Yeah. And another promise that we think about when we think about tithes and offerings is in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. It says, Give generously. And generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Is that a yes promise? It is a yes promise. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Mm, that's a yes and amen. 
And you might say, well, what happens if I don't see that happening? Anyone ever been in that place where they've had a promise from God but they haven't seen it happen yet? Does it change his yes? Mm -mm. It doesn't change his yes. It's still a yes and amen promise. Just because we haven't seen it yet doesn't mean to say that it is not a yes promise still. It absolutely is. Okay? So, as we are thinking about our tithes and our offerings today, let's just remember that passage, that all his promises are yes and amen. And, you know, I looked up what it said there, what amen meant, and in the Hebrew it means that's right. So when we say amen, we say that's right. So yes and amen is it's a yes promise and that's right. Even when we don't see it or when we're like Chris and we have seen it, (laughs) um, it's still a yes and an amen. Okay, so I want you to stand up this morning and I want you to think about the promises that God has given you. If you can't think of one, I've just given you two. Okay, this morning, they are yes and amen. And we're going to believe for that this morning as I pray. We're going to believe the promises that God has in his word. But perhaps he's given you another promise that you've got in your mind right now or he's reminding you of. It's a yes and an amen. It may not be in our time, it may be in his time, but he doesn't change. It's always yes and amen. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that all the things that you've written in your word, all the promises that you've given us, whether it be for um, finances or health or whatever it may be, Lord, we know that the promises in your word are yes and amen. And, Lord, even if we may not see it yet, we still believe that your promises are yes and amen and we do not waver in our faith. But we thank you, Lord, for all that you have said and declared over our lives. Lord, we put our lives in your hands. We trust you and we continue to trust you in the days ahead. Lord, we just thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we're claiming those promises today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you're not sure how to give, there are mm, messages about that on our notice out in the front foyer, or you can just pop it in our letterbox at the back there. Okay. Hallelujah. Good morning, all. And a good one it is. <clears throat> I want to uh, speak uh, uh, this morning. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, when you, you, you speak on something, it's often said that you know, you're tested on what you, you speak on. <laughs> You're first in line, and um, and uh, so when when I sort of got the the um, topic of the fire of God, I thought, really, Lord, really? But that's where we're going this morning. The fire of God. Now, fire in Scripture. It, it can be natural fire and it can speak of the glory of God. And uh, as is my, my custom, I, I hit on a word and I thought and, and think, okay, I'm going to look at the original languages and find all the, you know, all the, the good meaty stuff. What does this, what does this word actually, actually mean? So, um, and in the Old Testament, there's a couple of words that are used predominantly for fire, and then the New Testament, there's one word that's used predominantly um, for fire. There are a couple of others, and I looked them all up. And um, so the definition of uh, in the in the Greek of of the of the word fire is 
fire. So, great. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, fire. And, yeah, there are a couple of words that um, at, um, add a little bit more, but, um, but, but yes, fire as in lightning, or, but, yeah, fire. Fire's fire. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, um, the writer just says, for our God is a consuming fire. And we're going to read that, that passage a little bit later, that verse is at the end of, but our, for our God is a consuming fire. And, and I know some of the other, other scriptures, and, and we're going to um, just jump into one here now, um, that you think, well, that doesn't really support that. Our God is a consuming fire. So Exodus chapter 3. Now, this is, this is Moses' um, first encounter with God, or first encounter that we, we actually um, we, we, we know of. And you know we know the backstory of of of, of Moses and and uh, he got to forty years of age and he thought he'd take matters into his own hands and that didn't work out really well for him. Had to flee Egypt and spent forty years on the backside of the desert in the wilderness. And uh, so here Moses must be around eighty years of age, and he has this experience uh, with God. Uh, so. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. So he really is in the backside of the desert. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared, and that's a capital A in my Bible, speaking of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush, so he looked and beheld, behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. My God is a consuming fire. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn, as you would. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush <laughs> and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And it went from there. So Moses has this experience and what he sees is the glory of God. It looks to him as a fire. It looks like it's a fire. And it's not consuming the bush. So there are, there are two ways that, that we can experience the fire of God. And look, there, there, you know, there's natural fire and there's the, the, the glory of God. So there's two ways that we can experience the fire of God. We can experience it voluntarily or we can experience it involuntary, involuntarily. And can I suggest to you that the first way is a whole lot better. Now Moses, when he saw the glory, he saw the bush burning, and this is a great sight, and, and it was, he was voluntarily entering into a, 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 an interaction or a conversation there with, with, uh, with God. And that's the best way to go. And uh, there is a, a really um, uh, story that we, we know from, from when we're little. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego, however you would like to say that. It's Abednego, just quietly. I always thought it was Abednego. I thought that's very, yeah, very appropriate. And I'm going to read... Um, I read about these three guys in, um, in Daniel chapter 3. And uh, a it's, a, it's a really um, interesting story. And, and you'll see in there that there's natural fire 
but there's also a manifestation of the glory of God. So we've got Nebuchadnezzar, and, and uh, he's very full of himself and builds this huge big statue. It's supposed to be, uh, according to scripture, it's so many cubits, but they say um, uh, 30 metres high, 90 feet, 30 metres, yeah, something like that. Huge gold statue. And he did it for his own glory. <laughs> and he wanted everybody to bow down and worship this, this statue. And chapter 3, and I'll start in verse 16. Because at the sound of all the musical instruments, everyone was to bow down to this, um, this statue. And uh, there was a... It wasn't a voluntary um, action because there was, a, there was a, 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 another side of things. If you didn't, well, they had this furnace that, um, that was prepared and you were going in there if you weren't going to do what you were told. Interesting. And I thought about the furnace. I thought, well, where did this furnace come from? And, well, they've just made, the, um, they've just made this statue... And um, it was probably, I think, it was probably used in the smelting of the, of the gold to, um, to form the statue that was, was right there. So, but anyway, um, they're repurposing um, uh, this furnace. And in verse 16, so they've, they've, they've had the opportunity. These three guys have stood Everybody else has bowed down. These three guys have stood. And do you understand how difficult that would have been? It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a thing with, with um, human nature, conformity. We, we do it and we don't even know we're doing it. But conformity is, is such a, a powerful, powerful um, uh, force in, uh, in human nature. But anyway, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So they've, they've been brought before the king and he's made it very clear. You're going in there if, if you don't do what you're told. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. For if this is the case, that means they're going to get thrown into the furnace, fiery furnace, God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. <laughs> but if not, <laughs> let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We're not doing it. And, and, and I, I think sometimes we don't, appreciate what these three men did in standing up and not conforming. And just by, just by way of a, a comic um, um, uh, interlude, this is, uh, this is a, a video from long, 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 long way back. Um, and I think it was Candid Camera. And look, there's been a lot of research done on this and, and this is... Um, you know, there's more modern versions of this, but let's just have a look at this for a moment. Is a candid star. These folks who are entering, the man with the white shirt, the lady with the trench coat, and subsequently one other member of our staff will face the rear. And you'll see how this man in the trench coat his individuality but little by little he looks at his watch but he's really making an excuse for turning just a little bit more to the wall now we'll try it once again here's the candid subject here comes the candid camera staff three of them at least and uh, this man 
has apparently been in groups before. with his hat on in the elevator. First, he makes a full turn to the rear, and Charlie closes the door. A moment later, we'll open a door. Everybody's changed positions. <laughs> now we'll see if we can use... Let's see if we can use group pressure for some good. Now, in a moment, on Charlie's signal, everybody turns forward. Dirty, notice they take off their hats. And now, do you think we could reverse the procedure? Watch. And we look at we look at something like this. look. There's been a whole lot of studies done on on this <clears throat> on human behaviour, and um, group pressure and and conformity is 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 such a thing in the human condition. And you know we we know that that's been um, used um, against humankind over the last number of years, um, and. Uh, but, but back, to, back to these guys, how difficult would it have been for those three men just to stand in the face of, well, in, in the face of the threat, but in the face of everybody else being on their face worshipping this, this image? So, we'll pick it up in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the expression of his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the, the, they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valour who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, and their turbans, and their other garments, and they were cast in the midst of the burning, burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke saying to his counsellors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, king, to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? <laughs> so there was natural fire there, that, that burning fire furnace. It was natural fire. And it, um, it killed the, 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 the guards that, that were tasked with throwing these three guys in because they couldn't walk in. They were all bound up. I suppose it was with ropes or whatever. They were bound up, so they were thrown in. That's a that's a good way to get rid of some of your mighty men. Give them, <laughs> give them a job. That's um, yeah. So they they they, they died. The, the natural fire destroyed those men. But what kept Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego in in that in that natural fire? Why didn't why were they not hurt? And I'd like to put it to you, <laughs> there, was, <coughs> there was something else in that fire, and that was the fire of God. It was the glory of God. It was the Son of God right in there with them 
in the midst of that, of that place. So the natural fire had no power over the ones that were covered by the glory of God. And, and I, I, I've, I've thought about this. Why did the king say that the fourth, the form of the fourth, is like the Son of God? I don't, I don't know, I wasn't there, I, I didn't see what he, he saw, but that was his impression. The fourth is like the Son of God. Four men wandering around in the midst of this furnace. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and we know the result of that, Nebuchadnezzar got them to come out and, and said, okay, your God is the true God. And uh, he made a command that nothing was to be said against the the God of, um, of these men. So natural fire and the glory of God, the fire of God. Um, one will override the other <laughs> and did in this, um, in this case. So the natural fire destroyed the mighty men, but the glory of God destroyed the ropes that bound Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Anything that bound them was destroyed. And, you know, sometimes we, we, we shy away from the, the fire of God, the glory of God. And look, there's, it, it, historically, um, through, through church history, when revival has happened, there's sometimes a very different results for ind- individuals. Some will embrace it and, and, and hunger after it, and some go screaming out the door. <laughs> That's just a heart condition before God. Do you want him or not? Do you want this or not? Do you want me or not? That's the, that's the, uh, that's the two, um, two options, I think. It comes down to that. So the fire of God will give release. It will destroy the work of the enemy in a person's life. We see it in, a, in, a, in an example like this, but um, time and again, the glory of God, fire of God, will release a person from any bondages of, of, of the enemy. And look, we've all got stuff. Let's be honest. We've all got stuff that's, that's you know, come through our you know, family of origin or, or, or whatever, experiences that we've had. That God wants to remove, and it's his fire that will remove those things. If you'd like to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 3, another instance of, of the fire of God. So Paul writes about the, the foundation that has been um, set. And that foundation being Jesus Christ. And, and look, Paul is, Paul is addressing here um, an issue that was in the, in, in the Corinthian church. Because they were, they were um, you know, Paul says that you know, you, you're carnal. Because you, you're saying, oh, well, I'm of this person, I'm of that. I follow this teaching, I follow that teaching, whatever. Okay, and he said, you, you're carnal. You've, you've missed it. That's not what it's about. It's not an individual. It's not the individual bringing the message. It is the message that is the, is the, uh, is the important thing. And that's the word of God. Um, so pick it up in oh, verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. So he's talking about Apollos and himself. Um, And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So we are all part of God's building. And we will all receive the reward according to um, what we have done. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no one, sorry, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, capital D, the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. So there's different, and this is talking about the day, the coming of the, uh, of the Lord. Um, so it's talking about a day. But leading up to that day, we have the opportunity to, to build. Our, our life is being built on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are not only individuals, but we are being built into uh, the temple of God a habitation for, for the presence of God. Now, those different substances, you, you think about it, um, fire is going to prove the value of the work or the value of what has been built um, in a person's life on that foundation. Now, gold, silver and precious stones. Now, gold and silver are refined by fire. So if you find a lump of gold, it might be Pretty, pretty pure, but it might have a lot of impurities in it. And it is refined by fire. So that's a natural process. Um, it is melted and, the, and we know the impurities um, just come to the top and, and they are then removed. Um, same with, uh, with silver. So gold and silver refined by fire. Precious stones, they're produced by fire. So they were produced in, the, in that heat and pressure. And um, so it's, it's all a... And, and, and when we look at that, we can look at that as being a, a perfecting or a refining process. And naturally, that's what it is. So that's gold, silver and precious stones. And First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse uh, 12, and I seem to land on this quite often, but um, it might be just the, the, the few years that have proceeded, but... Um, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing had happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. God is refining us if we will submit ourselves to his fire, to his glory. It is a refining process. Is it fun? No. No. What's it say? Rejoice to the extent that you, <laughs> that you may partake of Christ's sufferings. No one likes to go through stuff. I don't like to go through stuff. But, you know, going through stuff often reveals something in my flesh that God wants to remove from me. Something that's inhibiting the manifestation of his glory. And it's, you know, it's common with, with everybody. He wants to manifest his glory in his people. And for that to happen, sometimes stuff has to be brought to the surface and then removed, if we will allow him to do it. But what about the wood, hay, straw? Well, they just burn. That stuff just burns. And, you know, I, I, we like to have little bonfires out at our place because, you know, lots of gum trees, you know, lots of sticks and leaves and stuff. And, and so we are always got a bonfire of some description happening or a pile of stuff. And, you know, you can have this great big pile of, of leaf litter and sticks and stuff and, and you burn it and you come back the next day and there's just, there's just nothing there, just a little pile of ash hardly anything at all. It just goes. And all those things, wood, hay and straw, they, they come from the ground, don't they? There's something that is grown from the ground. And Adam was from the ground. So it speaks to me of stuff that we do on, of our own strength that, you know, we think, well, that's a good thing to be doing, but it has no eternal weight. It has no eternal value. 
Even the things that we, we do that, oh, that's a good thing to be doing. And it could be a, you know, could be a good thing to be doing, but if it's not something that God is directing us in, it's probably wood, hay or straw. And it will go. It's what we can produce without him. And in the end, because there will be an end, in the end, what is important is what God has put within us regarding his word or what we have received of his word because that is eternal. Those things are the eternal things. Now, we were in Exodus chapter 3. That was, that was Moses' first encounter with God. Um, we're going to go back to Exodus, but chapter 24, uh, because this is down the track a little bit where um, uh, the children of Israel have, have left Egypt. All that's happened, and they've come back to the mountain. Now, um, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, same place. Okay, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so Mount Horeb, Horeb was the mountain that, that um, uh, Moses had his um, burning bush experience. And when it talks about Mount Sinai, it's the Sinai Peninsula, and there are a range of mountains there. Um, so why it's referred to as Mount Sinai, I haven't looked into that uh, deeply enough, but it's the same place. So Exodus chapter 24, and this is a, this is a time where, where, where God is confirming um, a covenant with his, um, with his people. And he's called out uh, the elders of the people. There's a number of, of Aaron and, and um, her and, and, and different ones, and they've and 70 elders, and they've come to the, the mountain, um, and then from this point, uh, Moses goes up. So we'll, we'll just pick it up in verse um, 16. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and on the seventh day he called out Moses, called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So um, further back it talks about the thunderings, lightning, shakings, uh, the blackness of, of, of the burning and, and whatever. Um, but, but here, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. And you know, we've got other instances through Scripture. On the day of Pentecost, there were tongues of fire like as of, of fire. There were tongues on, on people like, um, uh, different um, versions say, as of fire. So... You know, when you're trying to explain something, uh, well, it was like this. And, and, and we try and explain something as, as close to something else that, that, that we can understand. So um, that's, what was, uh, that's what was happening there. And it was, it was an awesome experience. Now, um, that word awesome, you look at that, it, I say this quite often, don't I? Um, Awesome does not refer to, you know, your, your, your fancy sandals or, or, or your, your pretty new shirt or, or whatever. That's not awesome. God is awesome. That word awesome involves the fear and reverence of God. So they were in awe. They were fearful of the majesty and the and magnificence and the, and the force <laughs> that, they were, that they were beholding. Uh, yeah, that they were they were they were shaking um, because of what they were experiencing. Now, that verse that we started off if in in Hebrews, um, we're going back there. Hebrews chapter twelve actually refers to this passage of scripture. 
um, but it gives a New Testament perspective. So back to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to start a little bit earlier, um, actually in verse 18. And the, the book of Hebrews was, was specifically written for the Jewish believers. And it was for them to, to understand many of the things that, that they had in their, in their history and, and how, how God had transitioned them into the new covenant or the uh, Jesus coming was, a, was the message of the, of the covenant that was renewed um, and uh, lots of things in there. But verse, verse 18. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire to the blackness and, dark, and darkness and tempest and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the word so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. <laughs> at, at that time on that mountain, on Mount Sinai, they... It, it was. It was. They were in fear. They were in fear of of going forward. Um, verse twenty one. So and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, "I am exceedingly afraid and trembling." <laughs> I don't think we get it. I, I know we don't. That that unadorned presence of God. Well, it was. He was adorned in the. He had to be in the. In the in the smoke and in the in the cloud, because they, they would have fried otherwise. <laughs> um, verse twenty-two. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the Judge of all, to the spirits. Of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Verse 25 See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Now, he's referring back to that experience that the children of Israel had. And they said, we, we don't want to, we can't, we can't experience all that God has here. Moses, you go, you get the word, you come back, you tell us. And they, they, and they didn't get it. And even when they got the, 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 the commandments, it wasn't long before they were transgressing those commandments. They didn't get it. And they didn't have the power to um, to be able to um, <coughs> to comply with with all that was uh, was given to them there anyway. But we do. We do have the power, because God has given us the power because He's come to live on the inside of us. And by trust and reliance on Him, and experiencing uh, uh, and embracing the fire of God. We, are, we will be able to do all that God has, has directed us to, uh, to, to do. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. And look, God speaks to us all the time. He's speaking to us all the time. Sometimes we just got to tune, you know, get on the right frequency and, and, and tune into what, what he's saying. I'll read again. For see that, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things which are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, 
Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. His glory will consume. His glory will consume the rubbish. His glory will consume those things which are impediments to us being all that God um, has created us to be. So shaking and fire go together. In verse, verse 26, shaking and fire go together. And there's going to be a lot of shaking. Because when it talks about that, that shaking, all things that can be shaken will be shaken. We need to hang on to the word of God in the midst of that shaking. So when it talks about shaking, well, what does it mean? Well, it means that government is going to be shaken. It means that the judiciary system of man is going to be shaken. It means the constabulary, the police forces around the world, that system is going to be shaken. It means education is going to be shaken. It means that media is going to be shaken. Religion is going to be shaken. The financial system is going to be shaken. The military system is going to be shaken. All these things will be shaken. What's going to be shaken out of them? All the stuff that's rubbish. And there's a whole lot of that. All those things are going to be shaken. And anyone who trusts in institutions or have their reliance on, on, on these things, when they fall apart, they're going to have a lot of anxiety. They're going to have a lot of despair. Is our trust in the financial institutions of the world? It's a good question. What happens when all of that collapses? When it all comes down in a screaming heap? Where will we be? Is our trust in those things? Or is our trust in what Coral was talking about? All the promises of God are yes and amen. In his system, because his system's different than the one in the world. Now we operate in that, don't we? I mean, you know, let's, let's be honest, we operate in it. We're in the world, but not of it. So when all of that collapses, there is still the word of God. And it cannot be shaken. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, you know, we could go through each of those each of those different institutions and um, unpack some of them, but we, we won't this morning. The media, my goodness. It's an institution. It's something that 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 portrays a message. And it's coming at us all the time. It's like the guys in the lift, you know? And people are doing this because everybody else is doing this because that's the message that comes through the media. But that's coming down too. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We need to have our trust in what God says and embrace the fire of God. Embrace it because it's doing a work in our hearts. It will perfect what God has put in our hearts and it will burn up the rest. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And when this, when this shaking, um, it, it, it's sort of, there's tremors. When this shaking it comes to its, its fulfilment, there's going to be a people who have their trust in God who will be able to, be a, to, to, to direct others who are living in anxiety and despair because everything that they thought was real has, has, has been proven to be a lie and all the things that they've relied on in their life have gone. 
there's going to be a people that will be able to direct them to the truth. And the truth is in Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's just one scripture I want to um, uh, finish on, and, and that's um, it's in, um, it's in Numbers um, chapter 21. And it was a period of time uh, where the, the children of Israel were, were belly aching again, and they were pretty good at, at doing that. Um, and they said, why have, you, why have you brought us out here? And they're compla- complaining against Moses and God. <laughs> Bad move. And um, they've got these um, fiery serpents. So they were, they, 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 they're called their fiery serpents. And if anybody was bitten by one of these serpents, that was a death, that was a death penalty. They were going to die. And uh, um, 21 verse uh, 4, uh, and they journeyed um, and, uh, and the people spoke against God and, and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, there's no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. That's the manna from heaven. <laughs> so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, I'll do it. for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he would take away these serpents. And then God gives Moses the pattern. And the pattern is, make a, a serpent out of bronze. Put it on a, a stick, lift it up. And anybody who looks on the serpent, the fiery serpent, will be healed. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So in the in in this situation, the 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 struggle that these people are going through from their own making, but it it showed the what was coming. It showed where God was going to take humanity. And uh, and I think that's probably a good place to to leave it. So. We're going to have communion. Um, I'm just going to pray before we do. (sighs) Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you would send your fire. Lord, and I just pray that it would be something that we would embrace. Lord, that we would not shy away from. Uh, Lord, your presence, the glory of your presence. And Lord, what that will achieve in our lives. And Lord, you're, you're into um, perfecting your people. And Lord, this is the process. Uh, so Father, we just, we just thank you that you would just so visit us. And Lord, um, even, even take us through um, the things that we go through, Lord, to bring out the gold and the silver and the precious stones that you've put within us. So, Father, we just, um, we just submit ourselves to you and we, we just thank you for the work that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. That's, um, that was so good. I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like I'm... Yeah, walking in that fire, <laughs> getting things burned, burned out. Um, I one of the verses that uh, passages that Dad used this morning, I, I the Lord gave me for communion, which is convenient. Um, it's it's First Corinthians uh, chapter three, and in particular verses uh, six. 6 to 8, and I'll just read them. Um, Paul's speaking, and he said, I, I was the one, this is the Passion Translation, I was the one who planted the church. Apollos came and cared for it, but it was God who caused it to grow. <laughs> this means that the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters. For God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. 
<laughs> and here he's talking about the church. He's talking about us. He is talking about us. He's using a, a natural principle that of planting, watering, and growth to reveal to the church where the power is and where our responsibility is, where our work is. Down in verse 9, he says, We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden, the house that he is building. That's us. So let's not get confused about our role and our work, what it is for us to do. Because God's given us, uh, he's given us a role. He's given us a part to play. We are co-workers. We are co-laboring with God. But at the end of the day, this church, the global church, us as individuals, we are the work of his hand. We are the work of his hand. It's God who has all of the power. <laughs> it's him who has all of the power. And we've been given a part to play. We've got delegated authority as children and co-heirs with Christ. Man, we've got to get to the place where that actually blows our mind. Wow. Where that actually blows our mind. What he did for us was he enabled us to step into being co-heirs with Christ. That his power and his authority could be delegated to us, but it is still not our power. It is still not us who does the doing, does the work of growth. The supernatural still comes from the Lord. So let's just get some keep perspective as we, as we go into our week and as we move into to life, uh, expecting that we are going to be sharpened, that we're going to be trimmed, that we're going to step into, at some point, a period of growth where the Lord is, uh, is leading us through. But as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire, the Lord was with them. And let's just... In those, in those times when we feel like we're, it's all burning around us, all burning down around us, let's just, let's be like those three guys that said, look, it doesn't matter what happens. It does not matter what happens to us because the Lord has got us. It doesn't matter <laughs> because whatever's going to be burned is what he wills to be burned. What's not of him? Let's just stand as we, as we thank and remember. Thank the Lord and remember what he did, what he enabled for us. <laughs> Lord Jesus, those three men that were in the fire, they didn't have what you have given us. They didn't have what you've given us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken to enable us to have the indwelling presence inside of us, Lord, that we wouldn't just see, but we would feel and we would have you in right on the inside. Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's eat. Lord, help us to have the perspective of heaven in every situation that we face in our life. Lord, let us, let us see the work of your hand where you're guiding and leading us. But Lord, let us, let us trust that you are doing your work. That as we, that as we do the bit we've been given, um, the part we've been given to play, Lord, that, that it is you that brings the increase. Lord, it is your supernatural hand at work that will grow the church, that will grow us. Father, we trust you in that. We trust you in that. Let's drink. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. 
Lord, we love you. Amen. Wow. Are we on? Yes, we're on. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, what a beautiful morning sharing the word.